The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Like there's been days, you know, I'm often fishing with my dad in the boat, and there's you know a day where I'm having a a bad mental health day in the boat, and I'm struggling and not catching fish, and he's slaying, or vice versa. You know, he's a bit stressed out, and I'm slaying fish, and he's, you know, can't fish properly. Right? It's very important to be focused, confident, not overstress about things or overthink sometimes. What would, simple. what would your dad think if you showed up on the dock tomorrow with a fly rod in your hand? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> You'll be shocked. I think a lot of people would be shocked. Oh, that, that being said, I did make a promise to myself that I was going to learn how to strip flies this year on a fly rod. Yeah. Because uh, one of the main reasons, besides like a used a fly rod before to play fish and i didn't really enjoy it i prefer the the spin casting rod i don't know that might sound crazy to some people but and I, I find that it's so much more efficient for flow fishing right like you guys like have to mess up and changing leaders and stuff to change depths or changing rod and line setups where i can fish shallow or up to 65 feet all in one setup by moving a piece of yarn <laughs> so flow fishing wise i'll never use a fly rod but there has been, it doesn't happen too often, but there has been a couple of days when my dad's stripping either either some kind of dry fly sedge or ant hatch going on. Right. Or uh, for some reason, they just really want to hit tequila boobies and he's just slaying fish and I can't get a bite. It happened two or three times last year. I'm like, okay. I need to I need to start learning how to strip flies. <laughs> the Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us this time around. And we're going to head out to one of my favorite spots on the planet. It's a real fishy lake, and a lot of you probably know it. Roche Lake Resort, um, in, let's say outside of the Kamloops region or in the Kamloops area. We've got Daniel Tarbox on the line. Daniel is a Roche Lake resident, avid, avid fly fisher, fly tire, um, and is doing some, uh, spending a lot of time chasing, chasing fish and fins in the province of BC. Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. So, so tell pleasure. me... I, Tell me where you're at right now. Are you are you in a cabin at the resort? Where, where where's home for you right now? I am in the caretaker house at the resort. Ah, nice. Like so, a 
It's not that cabin. It's like an actual house. It's really nice. Oh man, there's some beautiful spots there. So, so tell tell us before we jump into your story and what you've been up to. What is going on with Roche Lake Resort right now? Because I know th- there's been some changes over the last few years. Um, it, I understand it's mostly private, privately owned, and is, is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's my place to say, um, but yeah, it's private now, so it's just. Uh, cabin owners and you know friends and family that come up and there's they rent out the campsites like i think they have eight campsites here they rent those out to like again friends or family or people that people know for the year and then the odd cabin is uh rented out right again people that people know yes no public access well, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've stayed at, at that resort, and I just know how good the fishing is. Obviously, there's a campsite at the other end of the lake, a big lake, and one of those lakes that is epic in my mind. Um, just, just how, How's the fishing been lately? Because I know you were out there all day. We're doing this a little later in the evening because you're like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be off the lake by then. So we kind of timed it up <laughs> to, to when you'd be done. How was the fishing today? Oh, it's just been insane. It's been insane for the past two, two and a half weeks, just nonstop chronomids all day, right up to the evening. Hmm. Yeah, really good fishing. So are you fishing Carl's Flats? Are you fishing all over the place um, without giving away too many secrets? Are you, are you, you know, fairly, let's say, is there one or two or three haunts you kind of go to there, or are you all over the map? Uh I have consistent spots that I go to. Um, well, I'll fish everywhere. I like to try out new spots to find areas away from the crowds. Generally, I try and avoid the crowds. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have been fishing at Monster Bay right now and doing really well, but it's just gross. Too many boats. Yeah. So I've been out around in front of the resort, fishing the shoal and the drop-off there. Yep. Uh, Motor Island and that kind of area. I haven't been into the flats. Tried it once and the fishing there weren't too happy. Hmm. So, so what's been working yeah. for you? What kind of patterns you've been throwing lately? 95% size 16s is the main thing. They're really liking the smaller chronomids. Mm-hmm. Again, white beads. They're loving white beads for the most part. And uh, I've kind of been using a bit of everything. Uh, I know a week or so ago, I was using a lot of patterns, thread blends, like red butts into blue duns, red butts into browns, red butts into olives hmm. with different ribs and all been smashing it but the consistent thing is they've been really tight on the bottom like normally i like to try and get away with like one one and a half two feet right. off the bottom but no they're a foot to a uh, half a foot off the bottom really tight how are you finding the bottom are you doing the old school method with like um hemostats putting it down are you using a fish finder how, how do you find that accurate spot forceps yeah. Like religiously. Yeah. Yeah. Forceps, reel down and make sure. And I, I don't cast far away from the boat. Hmm. Like a lot of uh, traditional fly fishermen <laughs> do. I like to fish closer to the boat because then I'm precise know that my depth's not going to change. You know, if you cast miles away from the boat, you know, there can be sort of changes in uh, what the depth is and it can mess with that depth position which I find is super important for chronomid fishing. It's so funny you said that because I feel that too. It's like, you know, 
you know exactly where you're anchored. You know the depth below your boat. But when you cast out another 30, 40 feet, who's to say it's the same, right? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, no, and uh, people often say, oh, even in shallow water, people get uh, worried about, oh, spook and spook this and spook that. It's like, no, they're not as spooky as most people think. They'll swim right under your boat in shallow water and still hit your flies. I often wonder if they like it as a little bit of cover or something. I don't know. It's just, I know exactly what you mean. I, I noticed that today, actually. I was playing around and uh, seeing if I could sight fish, fish them under the boat because I've seen a few swim around when it, when the sun came out. And uh, I often see fish dart out from under the boat. So you might be onto something there with that cover thing. Any any size today for you guys or like um, I mean I know that there's there's a lot of fish in that lake and I find that you kind of got to fish through some of the smaller ones to get to the big guys. Um, has that been your experience? Hundred oh, percent, yeah. And I, I'll take people out and be like, oh, we're catching small fish, we need to move. I said, no, you just got to fight through them. There's big fish down there. You'll get them if once you get through the small ones. And yeah, I had a a couple of. Uh, uh, fish 4.2 the one that's like 4.3 today and that's <laughs> that's an english four pounder mark not a canadian <laughs> well, four pounder. Oh, come on what does that mean that means it's legit <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's, it's not it's it's the legit size it's not two or three pounds more yeah than what i say are you weighing it in that's the net inside joke for people that know me how do you yeah how... I, I weigh the net yeah what with so what are you weighing the net with uh, just a digital scale. I, I mean, I get the net. I've yep. weighed it multiple times. Like, yep. The same way I'd weigh a fish, empty, mm-hmm. with the water, everything dripping off. Yep. And it's roughly 1.12 pounds. So then I just subtract that off, off whatever the fish weight is. I love it. Okay, so we're, we got to dig into your story here because I got to admit, man, I am shooting blind. I'm in the weeds. You can school me on this, but your name kept coming up. And, um, and I, I'm not, sh- I, I kind of go with the flow when I look for, for guests on this show and, and it was like, okay, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And I see all these fish picks and I'm like, I started talking to you before we jumped on this call and you're like, I don't even use a fly rod. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I, I seen your patterns. I know your time flies. We're getting into that, but I want to find out how this all started for you. How did this passion for, I'm going to call it fly fishing. You can call it whatever you want and maybe you have a term for it, but where well, did I'd call it fly fishing, but I know some people might be like, Oh, that's not fly fishing. No, there's no rules on this show. How did your passion start for fly fishing? Walk us through your journey a little bit. Uh, well, when I first moved here, I, I know, I know people were fly fishing or fishing for trout and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit rebellious. I like to not follow what the crowds are doing and what other people are doing. So I was kind of against trout fishing when I was younger, when I first came here. Although, oh, now I'm going to just ramble off on tangents now. When we first moved here, mm-hmm. I moved to, first fresh from England, we moved to Terrace. Okay. So that's salmon fishing on the river and that kind of thing but when i came down to lake country and fishing interior region roach these kind of places uh uh my dad got into it a lot sooner than i did mm-hmm. i i was into carp fishing right being from england that's what you do is carp fishing and right. i love carp fishing yeah and, and i remember it took me once to uh beaver lake outside of lake country there up in the hill 
And I, I, I was always call it pan fry fish. I'm like, this is boring. It's just little tiny rainbow trout, tiny fish. Uh, I'm like, oh, catching like 10 to 20 pound carp, screaming runs on the reel. I'm like, this, that's boring. I want to do that. <laughs> and then uh, my dad kept getting more and more into fly fishing. And eventually he knew someone that uh, owned a cabin up here at the resort. And he came up here and was, and was fishing, and he's like, "Oh, Danny, you gotta come up. You gotta try it. It's different. It's not like these these small fish lakes, right?" So I came up one day and was try. I think was trying. I think they're called lucky bugs. Was trying that oh, one yeah. evening. Yeah. And I slam into a three, like a solid three pound panask, and it's just screaming, lying off the reel, jumping out, <laughs> and that was it. I was like, "Okay, yeah. this is something I could get into," and then you know, just evolved from there, learning more about. Uh, actually fishing with flies and getting into tying my own flies and then once I got into the crowned fishing that was it favorite kind of fishing I've done out of all the all my fishing my favorite better than the salmon fishing carp fishing it's just something about it really yeah, love it I agree and I think it's hard to verbalize until you've actually done it you can tell somebody all about it but until you have a 50 60 fish day and that indie's going down or however you choose to do it it is hard yeah. to verbalize. It really is. I, I, I uh, every time I introduce somebody to it, and it's not like it's going to be like that all the time. We all know there's certain times of the year where the midge chronomid bite is on, but it is something to be, uh, it's just, it's hard to verbalize. And I will tell you that the lake that you are on your home waters right now, I had me and my good buddy were up there a couple of years ago and we had probably 120 fish day and we don't count. It was just like, every cast of fish for as long as you could cast. And it was like, like you said, some of them were smaller, but every once in a while you'd hook into a two, a three, maybe a four pound rainbow, which at the end of the day, it was pretty phenomenal, oh. right? It's it's amazing. And I 100% believe you, you can have some crazy fish number days. And normally my dad and I like to keep track, like we'll keep a little notebook yeah. for how many fish we catch and catching with right just to kind of measure uh success and what we're using and stuff and we had one day and people don't believe us because it is mental sounds ridiculous we had one day and if i recall correctly i had 96 and he had 86 mm -hmm. and the fishing was on from eight in the morning to eight at night same spot didn't move same chronomids of course had to change replace a few chronomids over the course of the day right yeah, same pattern whole day just insane insane wow okay so before we dig into the roche lake and, and what you've been up to i want to dig into your influences when it comes to fishing so i assume it's probably your dad but uh maybe not throw throw some names at me who who's been influential who's kind of helped you um as a mentor in the in the fly fishing space Oh, definitely my dad would be the first name I have to say, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he's who got me into fishing in the first place growing up in England. We've been fishing with him since I was a kid, like three, four years old, carp fishing, course fishing. And then he's the one who got me into fly fishing because he actually does use a fly rod. <laughs> and so he got me into fly fishing. And then the, the biggest influence mentor for me, for 100% hands down, and a lot of people probably say this, is brian chan yeah yeah brian chan yeah yeah and videos and uh, i remember uh, a few years ago 
I managed to get in touch with him and uh, paid for a guide fishing trip with him. This was quite a few years ago now. Nice. And that was just the biggest flip switch in terms of progression and uh, to skill level, right? Like just learned so much that day going out with him. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Game changer. Did you use a fly rod that day? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now look, man, <laughs> we you're killing me here because this is a fly fishing show. I know you're fly fishing, but you're not using a fly rod. And you need, you need to explain this to me because I'm not getting it. So what kind of rod do you fish with? Is it like a spin rod? What are we using here? I mean, this sounds bad, but it's actually quite very similar to a fly rod in terms of like the flexibility and stuff it's really soft but it's a coho rod it's a nine foot coho king okay trophy is it trophy xl brand yeah okay so now what kind of reel do you have on this it's uh oh what is it that's the that's the one thing i spent quite a bit of money on it's a high-end shimano reel i forget the name of the model are we talking about an open face reel are we talking about a level wine reel uh like does it have a bail that you open and like, cast yes yeah oh, okay clip clip the bail on okay yeah. so an open yeah. face okay so what kind of line are you using on this it's uh i think it's spy spider something the brand mono monofilament spider wire then the float come on i think i think that's the monofilament line it's monofilament okay so is it yeah is it um fluorocarbon or mono it's mono uh, mono until i get to the swivel okay so crazy question how are you are you just using a normal indicator for fly fishing on this reel not one of the ones that people typically use for fly rods. I'm using, I think it's top shelf premium floats, little four gram floats. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. And yeah. then, so you have, so you have your main line to your swivel and then your uh, leech or chronomid underneath that swivel? Yeah. Hmm. So you... Yeah, you very similar. You really can't cast that very far, can you? If Even if you wanted to. Oh, I can blast it out. Really? Okay. Chronomids are tricky because they're lighter, and uh, sometimes, if I'm not careful, they can tangle on the cast. But, like, leeches and everything else, oh, I can just, like, I, I always joke with my dad, right, because if it's a windy day and he's getting stressed trying to cast it, I'm just firing this thing out, right? <laughs> it's no that, problem. It sounds to me like you've got a hybrid carp slash fly fishing for trout thing going on here i'm trying i'm trying to, i'm trying to put this in a box daniel uh, <laughs> it's not oh look i haven't fished for carp in a while okay uh, used to be I, I i haven't done it in a long time because i've just been too obsessed with fishing for trout so yeah. i haven't done it in a while so definitely more on the trout side but i used to love doing it hmm. yeah fishing for carp okay so now your commute to the water is literally probably uh you know a, a hop skip and a jump and you're in the lake but normally when you're on the way to the water what are you listening to in the truck in the stereo like what kind of tunes are you listening to uh <laughs> i got my dad into the music i listen to normally it's some kind of rap music okay. generally got it uh and you know okay yeah um dave east 
you know, one hip hop artist kind of thing. One go to fly pattern on Roche that you can't live without. So, what's your go to pattern? That's such a hard question because it depends on the time of year. <laughs> How about right now? <laughs> right now, um, white bead ASB. Uh, I'm just debating between a red or a brown rib. Hmm. If I had to pick one, mm. brown rib. What kind of hook are you tying that on? Is this a like a Togan's um, Gronemann hook? Is this a... size size sixteen diag uh, mm. seventeen sixty the curved nymph I believe. Yeah, that's a great hook. Really, really strong hook too. Hmm. You know, you're the first person this year I've talked to that has been having success with white beads for whatever reason. It's been all about the magic brown, the black, the um, nickel, gunmetal. I don't know why, but um, I find that and white using white beads. Do you find that it helps? Maybe if the water is a little stained, like not quite perfectly clear. Yes, and it works when it's clear. I, I don't know. As, it just depends on the lake. Like some lakes, they like it more than others. I mean, I know that's the typical like rule, right? Like better to use on darker lakes or if there's algae and stuff. But I've had a success with them on clear lakes. I guess just depends on the mood of the fish, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in deep water, I've had a lot of success with white beads because I think it stands out more down there, right? It pops. But I've, I've had two rods out and fishing patterns that traditionally work really good right now with what I'm seeing in the throat samples and the white beads just slaying slaying the brown and the black beads hmm. it's weird it's been a weird year up here weather-wise and hatch-wise your favorite place to talk fly fishing now i don't know if the restaurant's still open there or not but that used to be a great kind of gathering ground you could have something cold to drink and talk about the day out on the lake is that is that still a thing or do you have to go is there a pub locally a fly shop where do you get your fix on fly fishing when you're not out there uh, talk to people on social media really or watch the mm-hmm. old fly fishing videos that's probably what i do or it's like uh, uh lurk on facebook pages fly fishing <laughs> facebook pages lurk <laughs> okay yeah got it um are you a sports guy like if you had to you know I know the Oilers and uh, the Avalanche are playing like uh, in overtime right now. Are you watching that, or who who's your go to team? Is there? Are we talking hockey? Are we talking football? Are we talking uh, soccer? Um, where do you get your fixes? Wait, what do you the, mean football, soccer? I, I mean which kind? Well, <laughs> I mean both. I mean I know. I, <laughs> you tell me. What do you watch? I've I've become quite Canadian. I I really like hockey. I wish I was born here. I would love to play hockey, Hmm. but unfortunately I can't skate. But uh, it would be Canucks. Would be the team. Who's I cheer for? Who's your football team back home? Uh, It's been a long time. Uh, Basic answer: Man United is what I liked as a kid because that's when David Beckham was playing. (laughs) Yeah, fair. But I haven't followed football soccer for a long time now what's the nearest big city to rainworth in the uk where are you from mm, uh, the biggest one that people will know is nottingham yeah okay fair 
How's the fishing over there? Is it pretty good? <laughs> it depends how you want to define good fishing. Um, we've never been back. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 a different world over there. The, yep. the culture of fishing and lake access is like all privatized, mm-hmm. and it's all like kind of dirty stock lakes with fat carp. It's uh, I I wouldn't say it's very good. I I don't enjoy it. Hmm. I think the carp fishing here is better. But yeah, there's not really any trout fishing unless you're like some rich bougie person. Right. Biggest lesson you learned so far on your fly fishing journey, Daniel. So if you had to look back at kind of what what fly fishing does for you, what it brings into your life, why do you spend so much time doing this? Uh, Why I really enjoy fishing, and this isn't always true, but I'm quite... uh, an intense personality sometimes like a perfectionist of a lot of things i do so i always want things to be perfect and i'm always trying to strive to be better 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 and i do that with with fishing but it's one of the things where i can kind of relax and just enjoy the moment and being out in nature and other people's company Mm -hmm. it's I, i can really turn off and relax a lot more than other things that I do. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I I usually like to talk jobs, but you and I had a, a loose conversation before this. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to ask you what the I'm best job you've, <laughs> I'm going to ask you the best job you've ever had. And then I'm going to ask you the worst job. Maybe it's the same answer. Um, what's the best gig so far you've, <laughs> you've had? I've only had the one job, really, <laughs> which I did during going to school. And it, so I guess it's the answer to both. It was, it was, I enjoyed it. Like, it was easy. I just did it for a few hours in the morning. What were you before doing? Before school. What were you doing? I was just helping the bakers out with whatever needed to do, uh, frying, finishing donuts, carrying flour bags around, helping knead dough, hmm. packaging bread. Very basic. At Winf- job. Winfield Bakery, right? Well, but you said you've only had one job, but you just told me you're the caretaker of the resort. So is that not a job or you just do that oh, for fun? My dad, my dad is. Oh, your dad, dad is. is. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I live, I live Paris, yeah. Gotcha. So now you were off at UBCO. Um, yeah. How did that go? What were you taking there? Psychology. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. what, what's the end game with that? Or do you know yet? That's a good question. I'm not sure. You know, I might go back and, you know, the end game would be a PhD in clinical psychology. That's the original plan. Um, Right now, I'm not sure. Is that going to help you catch fish? You know what? (laughs) The psychology degree has helped in some uh, circumstances because a big thing with fishing, fly fishing especially, actually, yeah. is having confidence in what you're doing oh. and, and your patterns, right? 100%. Not second-guessing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, it's, it I think it's uh-huh. actually everything. Like, if you feel good about what you're throwing on the end of your line, you're probably going to do well. But if you don't, if you start questioning it, as we all know, we've all been there, it's like, and then you just start chasing it, right? It's like, let's open that fly box yes. and start digging. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
like there's been days you know i'm often fishing with my dad in the boat and there's you know a day where i'm having a, a bad mental health day in the boat and i'm struggling and not catching fish and he's slaying or vice versa you know he's a bit stressed out and i'm slaying mm. fish and he's you know can't fish properly right it's very important to be focused confident not overstress about things or overthink sometimes what Keep would it simple what would your dad think if you showed up on the dock tomorrow with a fly rod in your hand <laughs> like, what's going on <laughs> you'll be shocked i think a lot of people would be shocked oh that that being said i did make a promise to myself that i was going to learn how to strip flies this year on a fly rod yeah because uh one of the main reasons besides like i've used a fly rod before to play fish and i didn't really enjoy it i prefer the the spin casting rod i don't know i might sound crazy to some people but and I, I find that it's so much more efficient for flow fishing right like you guys like have to mess in changing leaders and stuff to change depths or changing rod and line setups where i can fish shallow or up to 65 feet all in one setup by moving a piece of yarn <laughs> <laughs> so float fishing wise i will never use a fly rod but there has been it doesn't happen too often but there has been a couple of days when my dad's stripping either either some kind of dry fly search or ant hatch going on right or uh for some reason they just really want to hit tequila boobies and he's just slaying fish and i can't get a bite it happened two or three times last year i'm like okay I I need to I need to start learning how to strip flies. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. So dry flies. Let's say you're, let's say you venture over to the Thompson River and you're fishing for rainbows. I mean, you can't throw a dry fly on a spin cast rod, can you? Not very. I mean, I, pr I could probably find a way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I could probably not, find I, a way. I wanted you to sell me on this. I'm not buying it. I, I'm I, I get I get with the float how that would work, but okay. So you got to talk to me about about your tying because I know that's a big part of what you're doing. Um, how long you been tying flies? Not very long, probably. Maybe, maybe this is the fourth year. Okay. Not, not, not super long. What kind of vice do you like to tie on? I think it's a Rensetti Traveler. Yeah, yeah, that's what I have to it. I believe that's the one. Yeah, and then you said you're you're fishing, um, or you're usually tying on. Was it Diarikis? That's kind of your go-to. The Diarikis, yeah. Diarikis. Sorry, I said that wrong. Diarikis. Right, right. <laughs> and then, so um, where do you where do you get crazy question? Where do you get most of your? Are you buying a lot of stuff online? Is there a local fly shop near you? Well, there was. I used to get all my stuff from Trout Waters. Right, right. Shout out to Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Waters. I've had Bobby on the show. Yeah, he's a good egg. Um, That's one of the podcasts I watch. I was a guest. Yeah, he, he's awesome. And you know what? I, I do go in that shop a lot, Trout Waters in Kelowna, for sure. But as far as, okay, so now you're not there anymore. Um, do you have to do most of it online, or how do you get your, your gear? Well... I haven't been here too long, so I haven't run out yet. I did a big stock up before I came up here. <laughs> um, I know a lot of guys have offered, you know, because a lot of guys that I know travel up here to fish, so I could put in orders with them to pick up stuff for me at Trout Wars. Uh, 
Uh, I have bought stuff. The one I've used, the Canadian Lama. I bought, so I'll probably get yep. some stuff from them. And I think they're based in Kamloops as well. Cool. I, I had it under a good word um, that uh, this week, this past week, Trevor Tatarchuk and Brendan Morrison were up there doing some filming. Did you see those guys out and about? Yeah, I've seen them, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Were they, were they, catch- they stayed with uh, someone they know at the resort, yeah. Were they catching fish? Were they catching? <laughs> uh, yeah. They said they were. I yeah. assumed they were. I did, I, 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 they were all with the crowds. Right, I, I, I'm the rebel. I try and find my own little pocket of fish if I can help it. Yeah. So I, I wasn't watching them in action. Yeah, I get it. But they had smiles on their face. <laughs> well, it's pretty hard to fish that lake and not be smiling, especially when the crownies are popping. Hmm. Good stuff. Um. I, okay, I'm gonna ask you to paint us a picture of your dream day. So, Daniel. If you could kind of have your day your way, everything lined up perfectly, the weather was perfect, you're on your your favorite body of water, chasing your favorite fish, throwing your favorite patterns, something cold to drink or, or not at the end of the day, paint us a little picture of what that might look like. Okay. Um, fishing partner would be my dad, for sure, in the 10-foot Spratly. Cool. Uh, I, uh, I had to pick it's hard not to pick roach I mean there's loads of lakes that I like but we'll, we'll go with roach mm-hmm. if I had to pick one and I'd, I mean I like a lot of type of fishing but if I had to pick one it would be overcast day super slight drizzle hmm. where you can feel it but it's not really getting you wet if you know what I mean I do. that very very faint rain um light wind so you just got enough of a ripple just very light wind and fishing chromid patterns shallow or deep water uh, i'd be happy either way uh and drinking probably uh, I don't know. whiskey scotch hmm. yeah that's what i'll go with <laughs> so uh what kind of patterns are you fishing right now up there? Are you fishing mostly static banks or what are you throwing? It changes week to week, but uh, lately, the last couple of days have been static bank, size 16s for sure. Yeah. Do you do a lot of throat samples on fish? I try not to do as many as I used to, right? If it's, it's just unnecessarily. You know, stressing the fish out. I know some people just sample every fish. It's like, okay, you don't need to sample every fish. But when it's necessary, yeah, you know, the first fish of the day, kind of see what's going on. And then mm-hmm. if I'm starting to have question marks pop in my head, like, hmm, are they switching? Something changed? Then I'll sample the next fish. Yeah. Pretty important to do, but try not to overdo it. Yeah. Have you had anything bizarre happen to you in your time? on the water, whether it's, you know, a crazy wildlife encounter or you're not going to believe this, but this really happened. And anything weird happened to you in your time out there? Plenty. I was just talking to someone today about this story. Um, I almost got, uh, I almost got taken out the boat by a fish. Really? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so fishing deep water, deep lining, well, my version of deep lining. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I, I hooked up on a fish, 
good fish playing it. My dad hooks up for the double header. So I call, naturally I look over to see, you know, what kind of fish he got on, watching what's going on over there. And I just see out my periphery, this bar of silver flying at me. So I just managed to, and I'm standing up, mind you, right? I'm not super tall, five foot ten. Standing, fish flies at me, hits me in the chest. And it's three and a half pound <laughs> fish, so it's a decent fish. Knocks me to my ass. I almost flip out of the boat. It's just... <laughs> That was probably the, one of the funniest things. Yeah, Did that happened. Was out that the this boat. year? That was. I think that was two or three years ago. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So w- what's it going to take to bring you over to the dark side and start throwing a fly rod? Like, I I don't understand how you can fish the dry. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to do a how to video because I'm trying to visualize this and I'm I've, having a hard time. I've. I've I say that more jokingly, that again, the main reason that I don't use a fly rod for float fishing is efficiency, right? Like fly rods weren't originally designed to fish floats. Yeah. And skin caster rods are just so much more efficient to fish floats, which is what, you know, most of the time people are fishing floats in interior fishing, still want fishing. But um, no, I will be using a fly rod this year because that's the fly rod best at imitating insect movements, right? Right. So stripping damsels and dry fly fishing, right? That's mm. that's what it's designed for. And there's again, there's some days where I'm getting out caught, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the reason I learned how to tie chronomids. Is you know, people are just catching with these chronomids and tying different things, and I didn't have the right ones, so that's why I learned. So I'm like, okay, this is a problem. I need to improve here. So I'm going to need to learn how to strip flies. I'd, this year, it will happen. <laughs> I admire your tenacity, though, because that is unusual. It's uh, it's uh, something I haven't run into too often on this show. It's like you find a way you like to do it. it sounds like you, you like to find your quiet piece of water and just do your thing. Yeah. And and that's obviously been working for you, so um, kudos. So when you tie your patterns... Do you like to tie them fairly thin? Or are they fairly thick? Describe the type of flies you're, 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 you know, are you using UTC? How are you tying these, these chronomids? UTC 70 and thin. Like almost sometimes I time, I time too thin, <laughs> too thin sometimes. And it just seems to be the difference, you know, if, if I have buddies and they're struggling and then we compare flies, the main difference is the, the profile. Generally, they're using materials like thick wires on like small patterns, and you can't make them thin enough. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, double tinsel, even though they're not as uh, not as durable as wire. You can get really slender chronomids like that, and that can make a big difference. Yeah. What size of beads are you usually using? Are we talking three thirty seconds? Are we talking? Do you know how big a <sighs> beads you're using on most of your patterns yes i'm just trying to remember make sure i'm getting the numbers right so the two mil will be the 564s right yeah yeah that's your yeah. go-to so those on 16s yeah on 16s and then and then on 14s i am torn between using the same bead again the two mils millimeters on the size 14s yeah but I also use the 2.4s, the three thirty seconds. Yeah. And 
sometimes those oversight over like the beads are a little bit kind of bulky really work like i know it just stands out right in the heavy hatches so i use a bit of both do you tie a lot of gills a lot of gills in your patterns daniel yeah yeah pretty even mix between you know white beads and guild patterns yeah hmm. what about unless i'm fishing 18 yeah then then you don't put gills in is that what you're saying yeah i don't put the gills on the 18s no is that on a white bead quite often or are you going to a different color Oh, I don't think I have any 18s of a white bead. Normally, hmm. black or magic brown. Yeah, I'm all over that magic brown. It seems to be the color this year. Last oh, few years. Oh, so good. Yeah, and I don't know why. I really don't, because you look at the naturals, and this is where I struggle. I'll look at a throat sample. I'm like, okay, this is clearly black and gray or silver and black. or And why is brown working? <laughs> it's like, sometimes it doesn't make sense to me. I think it's the same reason white beads work. It's because it stands out. Yeah. Right? There's so many crowns, especially on, it's like roach. Or, I don't know, I haven't fished Tonko much, but Tonko is very similar. Oh, yeah. Loads of crowns. It, it stands out. Yeah. Right? The white bead stands out in that crowd. They'll hit it. And the same with the magic brown. But what's great about the magic brown is it's a little bit more subtle how it stands out, right? It's just a little bit different than the black. Mm-hmm. It's close enough. Like a fish are like kind of wary of white beads, that it still stand out, and uh, not spook fish. And I think that's why magic magic browns are so good. Yeah. Kind of the best of both worlds. Looks natural enough while still standing out. Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. When you look at, because I mean, you're at a place where you see fly fishers every day coming and going, and I mean that is a busy spot that you're at. When you sit back. Let's say you've got some quiet time. What's that? What, what was that? I'm sorry, too busy. It's yeah. too busy a spot some days. Yeah, fair. But when you sit back and you have some quiet time to kind of contemplate things and you look at the fly fishing space, is there anything that you think we could be doing better as a group or is there anything that kind of irks you about what's going on with fly fishing these days? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll preface saying this, but uh, maybe a few, well, maybe last year I was quite jaded with a lot of what I'm seeing in the fly fishing community. But lately, you know, it's been a lot more positive. You know, most most fly fishermen are good guys and will help you out and give you info if you ask politely. But I think the main issue that I see is ego, egos, people get the self-identity to absorb with being this the best fly fisherman on the lake or, or they don't want to see if someone else is catching more fish than them they get funny or stressed out or weird about it or uh, people that have some success with fly fishing and they start to look down on more beginner anglers I think that that's a problem I've seen unfortunately quite a lot hmm. more than it should happen which is why you know to shout some people out like uh Brian Chan, Bobby, uh, Casey Groves, you know, mm. well-known people. Yeah. And great, super nice, friendly. They don't they don't get weird. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that just get weird with fly fishing. That's the one thing I don't like. Well, I mean, you're also on a lake that is very well-known, so you probably, and this will sound weird, but 
as somebody that fly fishes, I, I like my space out there. And I, there's nothing I hate more than the country club attitude. Like I hate going to a lake where it's like, you know, who's catching the most fish and who's keeping track. And for me, that ruins it faster than anything. And it's, it's one thing to have like a competitive thing going on in your boat with your dad, where you're just, you know, it's all in good fun. Right. But when, when you get like, four or five boats anchored nearby and you know people are looking over their shoulder they're they're kind of counting and it's like at some point that is exactly what i'm trying to get away from when i'm on the water you know as funny as that sounds right but yeah it it gets it's it's you know a lot of people are decent but there's a there's a sizable portion of people that I like how you put that country club kind of thing going on. It's weird. It's weird. I've, I've felt it on maybe a handful of lakes in my life. And, uh, being quite honest, Roche was one of them, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's probably one of the worst. <laughs> but it's not, well, it's not the norm, right? It's not the norm. I think like I was on a fairly secluded lake in the Logan Lake area a couple of weeks ago. And, it was all fun and games. N- nobody was taking themselves too serious. And for me, I like that. But I, there's a handful of lakes where people are kind of, I call it trophy hunting, right? They're looking for that giant pick. They're looking for that grip and grin. And when you have that, like, I mean, I, I suspect you're like me. You can get as much pleasure in landing 10 or 12 fish in a row that are, you know, a pound, pound and a half. They're up in the air. They're out. They're jumping around it doesn't have to be a gigantic monster to, to be a successful day, if that makes sense. Oh, of course not. Yeah. A fish is a fish. It's just, it's all about getting out there in the outdoors. And it sounds cliche, right? Getting out there in the outdoors, relaxing, enjoying yourself. And, you know, you can be competitive. And I think that's a great aspect of fly fishing is, you know, you can never fully figure out, what's going on you're always trying to look to improve and mm-hmm. better yourself and and it's even okay to compare yourself to others if you're doing it in a way to improve yourself not in a way that's uh negative like oh they're catching more that kind of thing yeah and uh oh, ranting what, what what was my original point i forget now hey fill in the it's blank be a good <laughs> fill in the blank for me when you're not chasing fish fly fishing what are you normally doing uh, gym. Some not recently, no, because with the move, <laughs> kind of all over the place. But traditionally, some kind of fitness-related thing, like going to the gym, mm-hmm. or uh, obviously fly tying and uh, video games. Okay, what kind of video? That's what, I'd be doing. what kind of video games are you into? Ah, uh, bit of everything. Back mm-hmm. in the day. It was, it was semi-professional uh, League of Legends player, um, okay, MMOs, what all crap. What does that mean? Sem- <laughs> okay, <go laughs> okay. You're talking to an old guy here. Semi-professional. That <laughs> means that you're almost getting paid, or you're are getting. What, what does that mean? Semi-professional. <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous on no. this podcast, but no, I love probably it. the talking audience, but. Um, Semi-professional, like I was the captain of the UBCO League of Legends team. Okay. Uh, uh, when I was there at one point and won a few hundred dollars in some events. Uh, just to put this in perspective, uh, the Vancouver team, 
I don't know how long ago now, five-ish years ago, the Vancouver, UBC Vancouver. Mm-hmm. The, their team won $250,000 in scholarships. Wow. That's substantial. <laughs> well, yeah. A lot more talent in Vancouver than the Okanagan, though. We weren't as good. <laughs> can you can you make that money fly fishing? <laughs> I don't know. Some people can, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So what's on the do list for you this year? I mean, um, sounds to me like you're getting out when you can. You're chasing fish. You're in a beautiful spot. Um, have you got a few lakes, a few new ones you want to hit on the list? Um, oh, yeah. I got a hit list. Do you? I got a hit list written down. Yeah. I want to get onto some different lakes, especially with how busy Roach has been getting lately. Yeah. It's it's not fun some days, right? When it's just ridiculous. Just too you can't maneuver around, you can't fish properly, people anchoring next to you and stuff, right? So uh, definitely got a hit list of some other lakes. I mean, there's so many just in the backyard in the in the provincial park to to try out and some intel I've heard from some people about certain lakes to try. That's what I was going to ask hit you. A different lake tomorrow. How nice. How do you come up with that list? So for me, it's a kind of a combination of looking at stocking reports. You said intel, and I, I, I totally, talking to buddies, what's hot. Um, there's not a lot of secrets anymore out there. There used to be a lot, but how do, how do you kind of come up with that list? Uh, stocking reports, fishing regs. So looking at, okay, this lake is stocking in a certain way, and they have regs where... It seems like they're trying to produce trophy fish. So mm-hmm. logically, there should be potential for trophy fish in that lake, right? So if I see any lake with like trophy regs, like no ice fishing, low stocking limit, or actually, I should say this, a big one, even more important than that, is if you can get intel, knowing if a lake's productive, right? Because that's important. If you don't have a productive lake, it can be hard to grow big fish. Yeah. Um, strains right Amen. i mean i'm yeah. sure we've seen on instagram a lot of the hogs are tend to be more fraser valley uh blackwater strains right and they grow bigger quicker than panasks do so lakes with those triploid strains that grow big quick they're mm-hmm. good lakes to, to target mm-hmm. yeah but uh i think honestly that's why the lake you're on is so well known those panasks they fight and they grow and they, as a fly fisher, don't you want those trout to be pursuing bugs? Because that's what we're doing. Ultimately, you know, unless you're throwing a lot of streamers, we're trying to imitate insects. And that to me is what's so special about the lake that you're on, because those are Panasque strains that target you know, they're not looking to eat other fish. They're not looking. Those guys feed on bugs, and that's what we tie, and that's what we throw for the most part. And they fight, and they jump, and I just, I can't say enough good things about that strain myself. Panas are definitely amazing, especially, you know, comparing the strains, especially for chronomids. They love chronomids. Yeah. So you're 100% back. They hammer chronomids, especially lakes like Roach and other lakes. They just, they, especially like uh, this time last year, you know, towards the end of hatches, I was fishing leeches and blobs and do quite well after the hatch. This year, they don't want anything but crons. 
pretty hmm. much most of the time it's like you have to fish across yeah. you won't hit anything out but yeah. going back to that those those other strains will hit flies almost as good as panasquo yeah right they, they adapt to what's in the lake and they'll hit chronomids they'll hit leeches damsels all the all the stuff hmm. i just find a lot of those uh, especially when you talk black waters they, traditionally they've thrown those into lakes where there's maybe bait fish problems and they're meat eaters like if you throw a little tiny size 16 chronomid in front of a black water or a big mac a big meal they're they're nine times out of ten they're gonna want that meal whereas the panask is like no chronomids are coming off i'm just gonna ignore everything else <laughs> right i don't know yeah. that that's true. So, so the, the the solution to that problem yep. is, you know, some lakes where the black walls are stocked, there's no bait fish for them to eat, really, right. compared to other lakes, right? Yeah. So then they don't, you don't, you don't run into that issue because I've heard on uh, certain lakes with big black waters where they have the shiners in them that it can be hard to get among crons. I have heard this. Oh, I've <laughs> I've lived that many times because I yeah. fish a lot of blackwater lakes and the, that's been my experience, but. Not saying that they won't take them, but, you know, you put a big meal in front of them, that's probably where they're going to go. But, uh, yeah, well, good stuff, man. So, um, what's, what's your year looking like this year? I mean, is it kind of a, you know, hit some new water, tie some new patterns, um, kind of check things off the, the bucket list? What's going on this year for you now that basically school's kind of done, you're trying to figure things out, right? Yeah, this is kind of like uh, what, what's the the term everyone likes to use? That find yourself year for me, right? <laughs> Thankfully, I'm fortunate enough where I I don't really have to do anything besides fish, <laughs> which is pretty great. So it's going to be a good year for me. Yeah. Um, and in terms of again, hit list of lakes. Want to broaden horizons on finding some quality lakes, other lake options, challenge on other lakes. Um, big one. I'm going to use a fly rod this year. I love it. <laughs> and learn to learn to strip, right? Strip dries and presentations. Um, and what was the other one? What was the last part of that question? Um, do list. Oh, what's the, the, you know, now that school's done, just going to go and figure things out. I mean, next time you turn around, you'll be a fly fishing guide with a fly rod. <laughs> where, where, where are we going? <laughs> well, Maybe there's a niche market, a niche market for people that don't want to get, don't want to use a fire rod. <laughs> you, you can't. I've been taking a lot of people out on the lake actually lately. Yeah. Just taking people out that, like the person I took out today, never chronomid fished before. Yeah. Got him on the spin caster, slaying fish, loved it. That's awesome. I, I've, I've really been enjoying that. So who knows? Maybe. <laughs> well, you know what? I always love talking to people thinking outside the box. Um, yeah. Hey man, thanks for doing this. I, hopefully you and I can, can meet up on a lake and you can school me on, on your techniques and, and, and what you're up to and uh, chase some fins. Th thanks Daniel for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, that, that'd be awesome. I want you to see the dog side in action, <laughs> make you a believer. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm believing it. We've been chatting tonight with Daniel Tarbox out of um, Roche Lake Resort right now, originally out of Rainworth in the UK, um, fly fishing his way uh, through some beauty panace at Roche Lake Resort. Thanks so much for joining us this time around. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.